Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine. All right, folks. Well, welcome to another episode of the Made for Agriculture podcast. My name is Adam Jones. And I'm Cameron Horine. And we're, we're back in the agronomy discussions today. I'm really excited about this topic. I really love the off-season agronomy topics. Honestly, it's one of the more fun things about, I feel like, about agronomy is that we get we get about nine months to prove ourselves, and then we use the other three or four, what's not, is there 12 three. months in a year? Three, buddy. All right. Uh, so we use the other three months to evaluate kind of how we did in the past year and also kind of kick around a ton of new ideas that we get to try out in the next growing season. One of those topics, like I said, that we're going to cover today, crop insurance. I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from today, somewhat similar to, you know, like grain marketing. It's just not my background. And, and so I, I feel like I'm going to learn a lot today. I feel like we have the right guests in the room and I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves and then we'll jump into it. We've got one new guest and one returning guest. So we'll start with the boring returning guest today. Yeah. So uh, Davin Harms, I'm the district precision manager for uh, districts three and six and also wear the crop insurance hat. I've been a licensed crop insurance agent for, I guess, going on four years now. It's I think my fourth crop season going into that. So something that's a lot of fun. It was uh, different to kind of learn, but I think I'm you know, kind of getting my feet underneath me now after a couple of years. But yeah, it's it kind of, I think, fits right in with what I do on a day-to-day basis. So it's, it's pretty cool to have that that uh, hat to wear also for MFA. Yeah. yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming back in, Davin. And thanks um, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be a three-time guest hopefully soon. <laughs> Maybe eventually. Beat the other people. <laughs> yeah, we've got Blake Thomas with us as well. So Blake, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. As, as Adam said, I'm Blake Thomas. Uh, my job title is, is is kind of up in there right now, but prior to here a few months ago, uh, my job title was area crop insurance agent. And at that time, I was covering basically three-quarters of the state of Missouri, Iowa, Kansas, uh, and Arkansas, uh, excluding Illinois. So luckily, my territory's kind of shortened up a little bit to where I'm covering bas- basically northwest Missouri, southern Iowa, and eastern Kansas now. Well, um, prior to this, this position, I actually ran an agronomy business of my family's agronomy business out of uh, Lawson, Missouri. And uh, it was a pretty, pretty simple transition into crop insurance being in agronomy. Sure. Just kind of fell hand in hand when it was all said and done. So, yeah. And can one of you guys kind of give us the, the lowdown on um, just real quick on kind of MFA's involvement in crop insurance? I know Davin, you said you're an agent. Um, and so I know some of our folks in the field are agents. So can one of you kind of simply explain our involvement in the, uh, in the industry real quick? So yeah, MFA sells crop insurance uh, for what they call an AIP, uh, an approved insurance provider. There's 13 of them in, in the country. Uh, we sell for Hudson. Um, so you kind of think about it as, as it's a it's a government subsidized, government funded um, deal through the RMA, the Risk Management Agency, which is part of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, who has the Federal Crop Insurance Corporation underneath that and they you know they set prices and do all that so then they have these insurance providers like i said hudson being one that that we sell for that help administer the program so it's kind of like being a, a dealer maybe like for precision equipment like ag leader precision planning or whatever we are yeah we're affiliated with hudson sure um, so you said there's only 11 or 13 of those like basically a small number of those in the in the country that are essentially approved yes. by yep. usda Correct. and um, 
And yeah, no, I just, you might just kind of explain to folks who, who aren't intimately familiar with the industry, kind of how that subsidization works, um, you know, because it is USDA that essentially backs a lot of these policies, mm-hmm. you know, like like David mentioned, through through the risk management agency. So mm-hmm. maybe kind of give us a little background on, on that. Yeah, the farm bill is where that money comes from. The crop insurance part is the second, uh, like the most subsidized part, like the, the first part is your your nutrition programs like your SNAP, yeah, um, the, and, and within that EBT stuff and, and and school lunches and stuff like that, and then the next part is for crop insurance, um, and it's to help set up the market for success so we don't have a catastrophic failure and then lose all of our farmers and then we don't can't grow the the, the food inputs and, and the stuff that we need. So that's that's where that's that's set up is to help protect farmers so that if we did have something happen. They can farm again next it's, it's year. Na- it's national security, yeah. and, and at least the way I look at right. a lot of this is that, yeah, I mean, you cannot lose that industry of your country, or you know, where would you end up? So I think that's that's part of it sure. too. Yeah, I think one of the things we talked about a little bit is the prices, and it's it's a lot of people know this, but sometimes they forget that the price for multi-parallel crop insurance (MPCI) or pasture range and forage um, is set. So it doesn't matter who you buy from, like Hudson, or if you're with Farmers Mutual, somebody else, that cost is identical per county, per crop, per state. Yeah. So yep. you can't go like switch around and get something there cheaper. That's where their private products like hail and different stuff that are being. Mm-hmm. Those would be a different uh, cost. Yeah. Though, yeah. Those are the things that the insurance right. company like the Hudson yep. says, hey, we have a hail policy you can buy and it costs this many dollars per hundred of coverage and those are different whether it's Hudson Farmers Mutual. But the basic crop insurance piece even if I diversified and bought from three different people if my farm is all in the same county I'm going to be paying the exact same price basically. Well you couldn't buy from three different people in the same county you have to farm in three (laughs) counties. (laughs) But yes. Yes. Yeah. At its core yes you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, government sets the price essentially. Yeah. So really, the way they're differentiating themselves is by, like you said, their hail coverage or flip. You know, from Absolutely. the the at the add on pieces mm-hmm. is is where you're be able to. Because there there are several companies that have their own additional private products that are suitable for some people across the country. Not always in in our state or some other other state, uh, but. Yeah. Uh, I know Hudson has several several private products that we, we sell, um, several that reach out to people who are uh, better grain merchandisers than others uh, that, that really forecast and, and look on to the next year. Uh, we've got a couple agents that look at those different types of policies and such. Uh, but yeah, as far as the rates go for hail and wind, uh, it can literally change based off a of company and can be... Fairly expensive based off which company you pick. Yeah, because those those individual companies set it by county still. So yeah. like the what you would you. what you would pay for wind coverage in central Missouri is way different than what you would pay in northwest Missouri. Mm-hmm. Right. That's almost universal. Because there's county. a lot of insurance folks looking at just inherent risk. Sure. Correct. I mean, if, correct me if I'm wrong here, but basically by county across the country. So your your risk for wind maybe higher obviously in central kansas yeah, right. than what it would be in I mean, eastern missouri look at where they're putting wind termites up i mean sure. you're you know yeah. you're southeast kansas northwest missouri where there's a lot of wind termites obviously yeah. there's gonna be more wind yeah. potential from that aspect and we're i think uh, we talk about it a lot as a company the aip that we deal with likes us because we're so spread out like there's not many agencies that cover 
as wide of a range as we do. Not that we're not local because we are. Like I cover a certain area, Blake covers a certain area, but as MFA, yeah, we're in Iowa, Illinois, Kansas, Arkansas, Missouri, and so for some agencies that maybe are in a couple counties, or if they have something like say the people in Iowa, the, the derecho, sure, if there was a crop insurance agency that was in like three counties and it hit all of them, yeah. their loss mm-hmm. for their would be huge. Oh yeah. Like if that windstorm that hit uh, earlier this week or last week, excuse me, if that would have hit two months ago when there's still corn standing, yeah. I, it would have been sure. I mean, horrible. Yeah, a lot of a lot of claims there. A lot of claims. So let's take a, a dive into this a little bit. Um, so say I'm a grower and I'm looking to buy crop insurance. Kind of what are my options uh, for insuring the risk that I'm putting out there? So uh, it, the best thing for a grower to do, especially if whether they have crop insurance right now or don't have crop insurance, is to sit down with an agent and, and see what's best for you. Because okay. there are options that are, are, are better for others um, that would better suit their operation as a whole. Yeah. So that would be the first step. But uh, the once... You know, Davin or I sit down with the grower, understand their operation inside and out. We're able to better, uh, better figure out what their policy needs to be. Generally, that's probably going to be RP. Yes, correct. Yeah, which go ahead. Revenue protection. Revenue protection. Okay, that stands for. It's had a couple of different names. Apparently, that was before my time. I don't before my time too. Yeah, (laughs) I don't remember exactly what it's called. But revenue basically it's where you take in, you factor in the yield, and the and the price. What's cool about the revenue protection is it's they look at it at two times a year. They set it. Um, it's based off of the, the early price, the spring price uh, for like for corn is the December average of the CME uh, during February. And for soybeans, it's the November contracts during February. So they average all that out and they say, okay, this is our spring price. Right. Then they do the same thing later on in the growing season at harvest. They set a harvest price. So they look again at December contract for corn during October and then the November contract um, for for November contract again uh, during during the, the month of October. And this year it came out, the spring price was 458 on corn, but then at harvest it was 537. Okay. Uh, beans was was similar. It went from 1187 to 1230. And that's odd because usually the spring price is what's higher. Yeah, correct. They say something like nine out of eleven years the the harvest price is better than the spring price. Well we've had it the past two years. So I would not, as averages turn out, I wouldn't count on that. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, based off that ratio for the next nine years, which should be. Yeah, 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 because be yeah, the last two are weird. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But we also live in Missouri, and everybody knows how that works. So, so the, basically, when, when they say revenue protection, to me that means that they're taking basically my total, essentially, essentially by acre crop revenue, and I, I'm insuring that. Is that kind of how that works, and that's why they're picking the, the kind of the two points of reference for um, – for the price of that crop or looking at the value, I assume. Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, and, and, you know, as, as many growers know right now, the crop prices have been steadily going up, especially on corn. And, sure. and the way that prices are, are trending right now for inputs and for crop, uh, it looks like they're going to continue to go up. But, uh, yeah, they pick two, those two points to make sure that they're getting a proper average on those prices. And it's a way okay. to guarantee, like if you – even if had a really good year mm-hmm. on corn, and if you were just had YP or yield protection, where you just strictly look at bushels, okay, 
you're not protected. It's like you had input costs that were already uh, a certain dollar figure. Mm-hmm. You had all this stuff to, to factor in there and, and say you had you know, a pretty terrible year. You still have these. So you weren't very well protected if you're just going off of the, the strictly the bushels. Yep. But when you once you pull the price in there, sure, you then can actually do a better job protecting your inputs, which it's all about risk management. That is it's the risk management agency that does it. That's how MFA looks at it. Mm-hmm. Is it's just a piece of our risk management portfolio, whether that's you talking to your grain merchandisers to to help you contract grain, talking to your precision specialist to get your fertility correct, yep. talking to your crop track uh, consultant or agronomist to to get your in-season stuff, manage risk. Crop insurance is just the next piece of that to help protect your operation going forward because there's many, many dollars out there uh, going to be out there next spring to grow a crop, much more than maybe in the past couple of years. So we've really, yeah. the only way to protect yourself is to have some sort of insurance. No, I mean, you're hanging out there more than what you were in the past. And 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 I say that from, you know, I'm farm and I also work in ag retail and we're both honestly hanging out there more than what we have in the past. And so when you look at total risk to put a crop in with input prices, because I mean, you think about it, most, most guys have some sort of operating note, some sort of financing, whether that's through their retailer or through a private bank or whatever. But everybody's basically carrying around more risk than what we have in the past. When you talk about, you know, kind of yield and price, that's what it takes, right? Because, you know, I always preach about talking about, you know, what's your break-even yield? You got to know, you got to, you know, you got to make money. You have to understand where you're making money, how you're making money. And that's two numbers. It's not just yield. It's, it's the yield and it's also the price. So you have a, you know, you may have a price where your trend line yield, you know, it's like, okay, I know I need to get X dollars for, for my corn crop or whatever. Or if I get X dollars for my corn crop, then I need to know what, what yield I need to achieve that or whatever. So it's, it's two numbers. So that, that makes a lot of sense that it kind of averages both of those in there. Did we cover that well enough or is, is kind of the yield, the yield uh, and the revenue protection are kind of the two main ones that most folks kind of need to know about? Or is there anything else? There, there are other ones. Okay. And again, it all depends on what uh, on, on a person's operation and what type of risk protection they need. So uh, like some other examples are uh, the area risk protection uh, where basically your insurance is based off of what the county uh Average yields come out. Okay. As. So uh, at the usually those prices for area risk come out, and Gabby, you may help me with this. I think they average them all out and they come out like December, but payments won't come until the following year. So if anybody had a, an ARP, area risk protection plan, this year, it would not pay until May of 2022. Yeah. I don't know how common those are. I don't have any. All of mine, are, except for one, are revenue protection. We, Dad and I, have had it embedded in our brain to give growers the best coverage possible. And ARP is not exactly the best coverage possible. Now, if somebody just wanted some coverage and maybe it was a smaller producer, uh, that is a way to uh, still have some protection and make it affordable for them. Okay. Or, but I mean, at the end of the day, what an ARP plan does is help a grower. You're trying to beat the county average. Yeah, yeah. You're trying right. to outproduce the county to hope for an indemnity is basically what happens. In 
the case. Well, let's be honest, the county average is pretty poor for Oh, absolutely. Most They've of, done a better job. We've done a better job in the last few years of updating those yield numbers, but but as a general rule, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, yes. Like I, I think most folks would go broke running on county average. That's so right. I'm I'm south I'm north of Kansas City, but my family's just right there through Oric and Richmond, Missouri, down the river bottoms, you know, we're Corn averages somewhere between generally 200, 250. Yep. And, but then on the north side of the county, you have. It's pretty rough. It's, well, it's Clay, Clay, yep. Clay yep. County. So yep. sure. they call it Clay County for a reason. It's yeah. all Clay. So, you know, the average is 143. I honestly didn't know that. I thought it was yeah. that named after somebody. It's, it's literally just, a, just it's one big life. hilly okay. Clay rock. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Don't too, don't put too much thought into it. But I, but no, you're all good. But that that's a perfect example of of how insurance can skew so much. Being in an Absolutely. area, especially where you're down, you've got ground in the river bottom, and then it skews up to the uphill uh, clay knob that yeah. has a hell of a time producing corn. Yeah. So well, I think I think you may have made a good transition there for me into a question that I had about. Um, and I'm going to try to kick out things that um, I hear a lot of stuff internally that I know that like, doesn't always pass across. And so, but I always knew that there were, you know, guys will talk about high risk ground. So, you know, with your talk about river bottom versus, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? And when it comes to insurability or, or what we're looking at from that range, um, can you talk a little bit about high risk ground versus what, what's normal coverage? Yeah, you bet. So I'll be the first to admit they have a labeling system with high risk ground that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. You got so, triple A, triple E, triple F, triple C. Yeah. It, it doesn't exactly, uh, it doesn't exactly define how risky the ground is per se. It's yeah. just whatever the RMA decided that for instance, back back home, I've got I've got a customer who has ground that's triple D, which is no different from the ground that's across the road that's rated triple A. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the the RMA declares ground high risk, and so being high risk, the premium is more to insure. It. Okay. Uh, but there are ways to help with that. Um, for instance, there is an endorsement that you can put on your policy uh, called uh, an HR, HRACE, high-risk uh, high alternative coverage endorsement. Um, Man, and, I thought there were a lot of acronyms in agronomy, but apparently... Oh, I, you, mm. you, I literally have, have, a, have an appendix in the back of a lot of my books as I have to go through and remember yeah. all of them. I guess USDA is involved, so it makes sense. Yeah, but. and a lot of them don't roll off the tongue very well. No, either, they don't. So. Sorry. No, you're all I interrupted. Good. You're all good. So uh, an HRAC, what it does is you're able to ensure your high-risk ground at a different coverage level. Okay. So, uh, and keep that production separate. And keep that production separate. Okay. Correct. So, um, for instance, uh, one of my customers, he, he wouldn't mind if I told this, but he has some ground um, there in Missouri River Bottoms that is uh, conservation ground. Mm -hmm. And it is in high risk. Uh, but he also farms on the north side of the county in those clay knobs and hills that I was mentioning earlier. Right. So, um, he... Was, the price wasn't the big deal. The production is what, what was a big deal. Um, he doesn't... Optional units, which we'll get to that, I'm sure, here in a little bit, but optional units weren't, weren't a good call. We were able to divide... Um, basically, divide your production by a sectional level mm -hmm. was not a good option for him. But an HRACE worked out perfect to where able, he was able to separate his production on his high-risk ground from the... Uh, clay knob ground that doesn't produce as well sure. um, to make sure he had the best coverage possible. Yeah. Uh, Basically, somebody behind a computer somewhere has determined that it's a higher risk to farm 
in that yeah. polygon. Yeah, because a lot and, of times if you go out and look at the ground, you're like, why is this yeah, high risk? Yeah. Yeah. This is a high spot. Like it should be cut out. At yeah. 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 And in a lot of cases, it, I think it has, I'm sure it's data from sure. whether it's um, Department of Natural Resources measuring river levels and, and right. saying, well, technically, if the river level was at this point, this field should be underwater. Yeah, right. Um, but meanwhile, there's fields that should be high risk and aren't. Right. At the same, at the same time. That's right. 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 So no, that makes a lot of sense. And so you, you mentioned the units, and I think we should probably go into that. So, for example, you know, I think you, aside from those separate policies, you're basically tied to my my production acres are, are essentially kind of my units. Is that how it works? And then, um, like, kind of all my yields get, get pushed together, or does it not have to be that way? That's in basic units and enterprise units. Okay. Like, the basic unit is just one for the whole farm. Okay. The enterprise units allows you to separate out by sections. Okay. So there's there's basically a choice. You can go one way or the other there. Sure. And there's – so I'll basically just start from – Basically, the least amount of coverage, the most amount of coverage in this okay. case. So first off, there's what's called a CAT policy. CAT policy is cat, is a catastrophic. catastrophic. It only pays if the whole yeah. county basically had a catastrophic. Like 2012 made some. It's just catastrophic is what it's for. It's okay. not real good protection. It's like, think of it like uh, having a brand new car and putting liability on it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no replant. There's no prevent plant. It is just basic coverage to help a grower if 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 all of his crops were to be flooded out in one year after after they've been planted and, and such. Okay. Um, so there, there's cat policy. And so I want made wanted to make sure to mention that because yep. going into um, enterprise units, which is the most broad spectrum uh, policy out there, and enterprise units are all the crops, each crop in a county, you uh, keep the production by unit, but then each unit has to get averaged together for a total farm loss by okay. a county. Instead of, or as optional units, this field has an APH of this and a protection level of this, and if it doesn't hit that, you get paid on that. Whereas enterprise units, even though this farm did poorly, maybe a farm a couple miles away in the same you know, in the same county, different right. section, right? had a really good year, would pull mm -hmm. the one that had a poor year out of a loss. Okay. So it, it like averages stuff. It's something that the government came out with, I don't know how many years ago, to, to help. It, it lowers your coverage, like like Blake started yeah. out with. It lowers yeah. your, your total coverage. So like, like Dad had said, so we've got a field on, say you've a uh, grower farms in several sections, and one field gets... Uh, whether it was a flood or some type of natural event happened on that field mm -hmm. to lower the yield down. Well, because that field is averaged out between the rest of the fields in that county, you're less likely to have an indemnity in that case. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's a broad policy. Uh, you're still able to get up to 85% coverage level on that policy, but uh, it, it, as its whole, it's less coverage. Okay. This is the next step from there is what's called a basic unit okay. where it separates based off of shares. So if you've got a, if you have a grower who has uh, four or five different landlords that they share crop with mm -hmm. or has family that they share crop with, etc., they would divide those units out based on their shares. Okay. 
So it's county and share in that case. I got you. And then option units, which Davin mentioned, was uh, by sectional level. So okay. it's section, share, and county. Okay. Is the way option units work. And so that option units are the best coverage that you can get uh, per acre. Again, not always the best option for a grower, especially sure. if they're, um, you know, if they're farming in sections that are close to each other or uh, similar soil types. It's hard to justify option units in that case, yeah, because it's not always going to be the best coverage. Right, but where it is much better is you have growers that are spread out from the northwest side of the county to the southeast side sure. of the county. And they're still in enterprise units. And you have rain events that, that don't touch both of them. Yeah. And you have right. soil types that are different. Production levels are different. And they're in enterprise units. Again, you have coverage. But if you really, really wanted to look at it and protect yourself the very best that you could, you would need optional units to do that. Because, like, like I said, enterprise units, you will pull yourself out of an indemnity much more often than, than pulling yourself. No, we've all seen that, especially, I mean, soybeans are the worst where, you know, you're um, cut some beans five miles from each other that one caught the right rain and one didn't. And we yeah. all know that that makes a you bet. pretty drastic difference. So, um, no, that makes sense. I, yeah, appreciate you going through that. There's also um, some, some more breakdown, like with the enterprise, by they do enterprise by practice so that okay. we can, in the past, you would have to either have a different entity or something to hold those separate because everybody knows that our production on non-irrigated is going to be different than our irrigated. So now they have what, and I think they changed the name again, but essentially it's enterprise by practice so that your irrigated ground hangs together and your non-irrigated ground okay. hangs together. Okay. So, and I probably should also mention there's another policy and it's more of an endorsement than it is an actual unit structure. It's called the multi-county. EU. Okay. So it's a multi, uh, multiple county enterprise unit. And what that is, is say you have a grower who farms, most of his ground is in uh, Boone County in, the, in this case. So most of his ground's in Boone County, but then... Audrain. He's got a little piece in Audrain. And it wouldn't qualify for, or it would be more expensive. Let's say it's under 20 acres. It's all in one section, whatever it may be for this little field over in Audrain. Right. But, to qualify for enterprise units, you have to farm in two different sections. Okay. So, so that, that, fact. yeah, that, that we, uh, we didn't say that at first. You have to have, you have to have ground that you're farming in two different sections. Okay. So if you had that piece of ground, like Blake was saying, is only in one section in a different county that touches the one you're in, you can have a multi-county enterprise unit where then you can, that can be an enterprise unit as well. Instead of having to pay for optional units in that county. Yeah. yeah. It, well, it'd be, it turned into a basic unit. That's what that, that, yes. that yeah. had to do. But yeah, it pulls that production into the, into Boone County in this case, mm -hmm. and uh, saves the grower uh, some some money in the process. I got you. Maybe maybe I missed this, but let's define a section. You're saying for enterprise, you have to be in two different sections. What is what is the classification of a section within the section, within the county? Is the that section based on like a plat map? Yes. Yes. Okay. So section township range. There's actually parts of Missouri that that use. Uh, uh, Spanish land grants. Spanish yeah, land right. grants where they don't have a section township right. range, but yes, that, that's I just want to make sure we're clarifying that it's based on a plat, it's based on a plat book yes. for what the assessor's office has your sure. ground based in. Yes, 640 okay. acres, right? Is, is, is a section, section. yeah, yeah, yep. 
No, it's good. Good clarification. I was I was going to ask if you were soaking all this in over there. I was. <laughs> <laughs> now now we know you are. Um, so you mentioned it earlier about um, insuring up to eighty five percent. So I assume that that means um, utilizing essentially our, I guess, two things is my my question is probably two things. Um, your um, go through APH for me, and there's another one of our acronyms in our book. Um, and then talk a little bit about um, kind of the insured percentage or how that changes. Basically, I can kind of select that to a, to a degree, um, my insured percentage, and then, you know, up to a certain level. Sure. So, so APH is your actual production history. So, um, and Adam, you this is your first or second year fully um, in this case? Well, last year would have been my first, so... 2022 will be second. Second. Okay. So, so 2021 was your first. So in, in this case, you had your first actual production year mm-hmm. in 2021. So I mean, a lot of growers who have been farming for generations, uh, you know, they'll have data 20, 30, 40 years, depending on how long they've actually been farming. That That is how your APH is figured though. Okay. So say in this case, a, a farmer's been uh, farming for longer than 20 years. Our production history is generally 10 years long. Uh, so 10 crop years, 10 crop years, excuse me. Yep. So, you know, if you've been, if you're good about rotating crops, what we figured. Yeah. You could have 10 years of corn history. If you had corn this year, you would go all the way back. If you did a rotation on a unit to O2. Okay. I got you. So 10 years right. of the ten, same crop. Ten, yeah. So when you say 10 years, 10 crop years, you mean 10 years of the same crop. Yeah. If, Correct. You, if you're corn on corn on corn on corn on corn, it's just 10 the actual last 10 years, years ago. But right. if it's. If you've done some other stuff in there, it's 10 years that you produced. So the technically, crop. if you were rotated, be 02 is when, when you're yeah. 10 yeah. years. So start. for the majority of people in Missouri, you're looking at 20 years of yeah. APH. But like, you know, Illinois, Indiana, where you have a lot more corn on corn, generally speaking, they're probably looking at 10 years. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that that's what um, which a lot of people would be familiar with our production reports. That's when we're going in and collecting that data. Um, to, to go into your APH. Mm-hmm. Um, to make an APH, you have to have four years of history. Okay. If you right. don't, as a new farmer or, or some of this stuff, there, and there's some simple average stuff you can get into, but yeah, they set um, your T yields, mm-hmm. transitional yields, mm-hmm. in such a way that four years ago it'll be this. Um, there's a very specific transitional 90%. 80%, 65% that you have to go through and figure, but I got you. all that, that plays in to make your yeah. four-year APH. Yeah. And yeah. then after that, you go up to 10 years and then they start dropping off. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Once you get it built, once you get your own personal Correct. Bill, Correct. And, and, and then I should also mention that crop insurance also does a very good job making sure for, especially for beginning farmers and ranchers and new producers. Um, so for instance, if a grower maybe only has grown soybeans in a county, they would technically be qualified as a new producer of corn in that in that same county. Okay. So by that fact, they'd be able to qualify for 100% of, of the T yield or the county average in this case. I got you. Um, it's for growers that, you know, let's say in, in years past, they haven't had crop insurance. They weren't able to prove their yields, lost a lot of their, their scale tickets or production history. They would have to start out at that 65% level and build up their APH four years before they can get 100% of, of, of the county average in that case. Okay. Or so if I'm building my APH up, um, 
and say we have a catastrophic drought year, 2012 mm -hmm. or whatever, and that wrecks my average. Is there anything I can do about that? Yeah, it's called YE, which is a yield exclusion. Okay. And and it, it is set by county. The RMA sets it whether your county would actually. Uh, you have to go into actuarial browsers, which we use a lot. It's something that is a crop insurance agent. You're always on rma.usda.gov. And, and yeah. you go in there and look, and you'll say, okay, did and it's by crop. Did did say 2012, did soybeans qualify in this county? And then you, you have what you call YE, mm -hmm. so you can exclude that year so it did not hurt you. Okay. So in most counties in Missouri, 2012 was excludable. Was excludable. Uh, I don't, not in a lot of cases on soybeans, but corn. Okay. For sure, right. YE is generally available. So yeah. kind of to that same point, and this may draw off a whole other topic that we don't need to just cover today, mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, we're ag retailer, and you know, we so we do app, custom application on things. How does that possibly does can that fall into an exclusion, or is that completely different? You know, say one of our application rigs went and accidentally um, sprayed the wrong chemical on a crop and affected it. You know, how does that play? Multi-parallel crop insurance is a natural disaster. So you, that I, I guess that's what I was trying you, to say is, yeah. is your your ye is only based on catastrophic natural events. It's not whether or not somebody messed up from. And Cameron, you brought up a great, great point. So that would be called a third party loss in this case. So, and, and not saying this happened with NMFA, but just for an example, um, a applicator went out, went to the wrong field, sprayed corn chemical on yep. top of soybeans or sprayed dicamba on, on list beans, yep. whatever, whatever would have happened there in that case. That would be considered a third party loss. Now, crop insurance will not pay out an indemnity based off of that. Yeah. But what they will do is help by by putting in a claim for third party loss, they will help on the grower's APH to make sure that their APH won't be harmed in the yeah, process. Yeah, I guess that's where I was yes. trying to get is yes, making yes. sure as how does that play into APH so you're not being affected yes. in, yeah, they, in that in that They try to make sure you're not injured yep. uh, or yeah. on the APH. They've got other stuff like YC yield cup, which means that your APH can't drop so much in one given year for mm -hmm. a bad for say it wasn't yeah. excludable, but we had yeah. whatever reason. Because it's, to. I mean, it's meant to be kind of a long-term average, right? I mean, you, right. it shouldn't, it, in theory, really shouldn't be affected by those mm -hmm. one-off type events. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's you, you hope in a 10-year average that you're, yeah. that one year is going to be lost in that yeah. average. Yes. Um, I've got another thought on that, but I want to make sure that to, to say about third-party losses also um, is – so when it comes to replant, so let's say that, that third-party loss in this case um, happened within the late plant period or before, even, even after the late plant period, which we can discuss that here in a bit too. But the grower, if he goes in and replants his soybeans in this case, he would be able to use his original plant date in that case. So if you plant a crop, if the grower plants a crop in the late plant period, they actually have a reduction in coverage by 1% per day. Per day. Okay. I've heard that before. Yes. yes. So in that case, it, it still enables a grower, if he replants, he or she replants, that it would, uh, they'd be able to use that original plant date and not have any reduction in coverage. Okay. So that, that's another way that, that, that crop insurance does help in that case. Gotcha. I got you. We're talking about APHs and you talk, we brought up like the yield exclusion or whatever YC also. There's one that we should talk about called TA or trend adjust. Okay. Which is uh, for corn. Um, and it, uh, well, we use it on corn mostly. I can't remember if actually if it's available on beans. Is it available? On it's beans? available on beans, and, and 
we'll we'll explain here in a second here why why it's not quite as useful on soybeans as it is on corn. So they set a number by county, and it's by irrigated and non-irrigated. There's one for each of the numbers. But what it is is like for Boone County, that number is 1.5 on non-irrigated corn. Which so what it allows you to do is take a factor of 1.5 times the years back that you um, planted a crop. So like we were talking about in rotation with with 20 years, that's that would be 0, 02. So you've got years back. So like so your your APH says in 2003 you had 135 bushel corn. That was your APH. Mm-hmm. Um, for it's by unit. Yeah. You can multiply 19 times 1.5, come up with 28 and a half. So you add 28 and a half to that 135 to come up with a new APH number, yield number that you can use as 163.5 for that year. Okay. So it raises all of them. We went through and we did the math on one and it yep. took an APH from 154 to 166 by adding this, what we call trend adjusted okay. yield. So it, so it, that then essentially to 80% coverage level, that equates to 123 bushel coverage at, if your APH is 154 or 133 if it was 166. So if you're talking dollars per acre of coverage yeah. at 123 level, which is 80% of the, of the 154, that's $660.50. If you, when you trend adjust it, so you raised your APH, raised yeah. your coverage level, 80% is 133, that's actually $714 of coverage or $54 an acre just by trend adjusting your yield. And that's supposed to be, I, I assume, I'm making an assumption here that that's supposed to be accommodating for better genetics, higher production methods, those a- kind of absolutely. things. Absolutely. They're basically assuming 20 years ago, a, a Roundup Ready corn at that time yep. doesn't have the genetics that we have today. And, and it's, it's, it's fact. That's true. It's, it's, yeah, it's I mean, very it's not, factual. Yeah, that's really not an assumption. That's yeah. it's fact. Yes. Yeah. So that does cost money. Um, usually like a dollar per acre is what I, I as, but that's all set in the R&D. Well, it's, it's, it's not so much that it costs, it costs money in the fact that it's raising your, your APH. Right. By raising your APH, it's costing you more premium dollar, but okay. you're having, you have a greater amount of coverage. I gotcha. In that case. Okay. Okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting all those anomalies that are kind of built in there and just all the crazy number of options that you have. Sure. And I think I think trend adjusting is probably the one thing that we we have advised a lot of our growers on uh, that something they either didn't know about or yep. uh, really wasn't mentioned. I think MFA is set up differently because we have like agronomists, like people that understand this that are selling this. Like yeah. Blake is one of our crop insurance agents. He ran an ag retail location. Yeah. That's what my focus in on every day is agronomy and how we how we use fertility yeah. and stuff. And so uh, a lot of people don't quite understand the, how that, that difference goes it plays into it. And I think that's how MFA is uniquely set up to, to sell crop insurance because there's a lot of the agronomic side that we understand. Everything just fits like a puzzle. Yeah. I mean, my past experience with agronomy makes my conversations easier to have with, with, oh, with crop sure. insurance. Yeah. Uh, hell, I still have a lot of my... Uh, crop insurance, or excuse me, my customers when I was at the elevator that still call on me today, whether they have crop insurance from me or not, they still trust yeah. my agronomic advice. Sure, sure. So, um, and one about soybeans and trend adjusting, that factor is a lot smaller than on corn. Generally, yeah. it's almost one to one than it is. Okay. Um, that 1.5 number is smaller. Yes. Than okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So that that could be a factor. But again, if if a grower has in this case ten years of crop history on soybeans, there's a lot of advancements in 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 seed and and chemical and fertilizer. I mean, agronomic sure. practices in general um, have gone on soybeans in the past twenty years. Yeah, so. and I always focus on yeah the corn. That's that's generally what drives moves the needle with people is when we're talking about this on corn. Yeah. So I couldn't yeah. remember about the soybean part of sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, uh, and Adam, in your case, you know, you only have one actual year of, of history and then mm-hmm. which, and, and drawing some from others, you could still trend adjust yours as well. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Neither you there. Interesting. And so you mentioned um, percentages. I think we should cover percentages. Like what, what is kind of base? And then I assume you can buy that. Or I think you can buy that number up. Is that correct? So on percentage of, you mentioned... Of coverage? Yeah, percentage of coverage. So uh, your coverages are basically from on an RP policy, because that's what what we specialize in. An RP, you can buy as low as 65% all the way up to 85%. Okay. And and it's it's based, in this case, so if, if your APH is 150, take 150, buy your coverage level, and that would be your guaranteed yield. Okay. So then that's that's going to be confusing because you know, if you grow 200 bushel, you want to be insured for that full 200 bushel. But that's the amount of risk that the RMA is willing to take is at an 85%. 85% of that. Okay. There are private products that go above that, but then there's also what they call SCO and ECO, which have to do with you can go uh, above that to 86 to whatever, 95, but between those two but then that those are again based off a of county average they county average comes back into play it's not necessarily insuring what you produce you have to have a loss of the county average and then it makes up some more you. of that there's some private products that i don't remember all of them like yeah them yeah more. so uh, crop insurance actually offers arc and plc which is what a lot of growers go into the fsa office you're able you aren't able to pick both right. based off that and then just like with crop insurance you're you aren't able to get uh eco based off the fact if you have arc and I, don't don't quote me on that i don't sure. know exactly but what the plans are but there are private products that crop insurance agencies and i think most offer offer something similar to that i got you um you know i mentioned a, a uh, private products and I, I think we'll probably transition to that here in a second too is, is the private products um you, there there are what Davin was mentioning, where you're able to buy a a private product to actually raise your percentage of coverage, but at that point it becomes an area plan. So you go back to having to okay. insure yourself against against yes. basically wanting against to out, outgrow the against outgrow average. the county. Okay, yeah, that so. makes sense. Yeah, let's let's talk about the private products real quick. But I think um, maybe just kind of cover. The most common things that people maybe tack on to their policy, um, I, I think I know what maybe those are. But if you guys want to just go into what are the kind of the most common or the the ones that um, that are actually get utilized, because you know, like you said, you could do a lot of things. But yeah, so first one I feel like would be what we call RPO or re, a replant option, which okay. goes above and uh, above what comes with your multi parallel. Because to qualify in a multi parallel, it has to be twenty acres or twenty percent of the unit. Okay. Um, if you go with a, a private product, uh, RPO, for instance, uh, with Hudson, it actually up to 10 days before the early plant period. And so like if your early plant period is April 1st, you could actually plant back to 320 or whatever uh, and, and, and have replant coverage. Now your MPCI wouldn't cover that, but the, the private product would. Okay. Um, and then for, for a lot of my counties, for like 
corn is like two dollars and fifty cents an acre, and you get fifty dollars worth of replant. Um, and then that's in addition to your multiparal, which is eight times the eight times the price of corn or three times the price of beans. Um, that that spring price is what your replant uh, coverage is. Okay, um, that makes sense. So then you would get fifty dollars on top of that because it doesn't. So that that would be probably the most common, and then the next I think would be hail, mm -hmm. um, hail and, and wind coverages. Great. So one one big thing to mention with hail, and this is this is something that isn't really advertised to a lot of growers either, is hail not only gives you extra coverage for hail event on your crops. What it also includes is additional coverages that are kind of hidden behind it. So um, fire and lightning is, is one of the biggest things. So that's that's generally not, it's covered but not covered at the same time based off your MPCI, if I'm stating that correctly, Davin. Yeah. Um, if, if your combine caused your crop to burn up, mm -hmm. that's not multiparal, that's man-made. Okay. Okay. But if you have hail, then you do have fire protection there. Oh. You've also got some protections in the bin, some theft protection. Uh, you've got transport protection, like up to 50 miles from, from where you harvested. If, if you had a wreck and you're, really? say you okay. ran off the side of the road and your crop dumped and you couldn't mm -hmm. get any of it back, you're, you're, yeah. you're insured to your destination of the crop. So okay. let's say that you're, you're going to your bins with, with your corn. You're insured for that trip, and that corn is still insured, which corn or soybeans or wheat are insured inside that bin. Okay. So if, if there was a rain bin explosion or whatever in this case, uh, you would still have coverage based off of that. And, and hail, like if you have a hail policy, multi-parallel, your yield reduction based off of a hail event is covered by your overarching multi-parallel mm -hmm. policy. But... People don't come in necessarily. They you you have to report it, but you, if you don't have a hail policy, it's not necessarily. It's not a. They're not going to pay you. But based off of like, if you have fifty percent loss on your what they determine your ability to raise corn, they're going to pay you for fifty percent uh, based off of your hail coverage. Okay. And and then if you do have a yield loss on multiparal, <clears throat> that will pay. Whereas your normal well. policy is only paying off a yield. Reduction is that correct? At the af after harvest. After harvest, right? Yes, obviously. Yeah, after harvest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then there's wind. There's green snap that that you can bundle with with hail. Yeah. And sometimes people don't really understand the difference. Sure. Um, the green snap is is at the node, like on corn, and and wind is if the like it uprooted, like it blew over. Okay. Or in between the nodes, if it broke. Like just if you just buy coverage on green snap, it doesn't exactly cover you for wind. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So it's important, which I mean, green snap oh, is going to be, it's going to be a cheaper option than that of wind. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's but, interesting to know kind of what, number one, that even that some of those options even exist. Yeah. Yeah. And then number two, which ones to select, which ones. Make the most a lot of times they'll also so. come with like, they'll be bundled together, but there also be some harvest, uh, some harvest stuff in there. So if you had to slow down, uh, they give you a percentage like uh, of, of, to help like with with harvest because it took you longer to do it uh maybe you had to buy a reel a corn reel to yeah to, yeah. to do some of that stuff there's mm -hmm. there's some uh options that, that come in there with that interesting okay hmm. yeah that was like opening pandora's box um <laughs> <laughs> i knew it would be which that's that's interesting though because like i said a lot of this stuff is not stuff that i think the the most common things you hear are like People are widely aware of, of their APH. They're widely aware of 
high risk ground. Um, some of those very basic points, mm-hmm. not widely aware of some of the other stuff that you guys covered. So it's pretty interesting. Before we kind of move on, I want you to touch on the range and pasture and kind of some a little bit on the livestock stuff. Um, what, uh, did we miss I think, anything? Yeah, on? no, I think we need to, to talk about a little bit about everybody knows like our crop inputs are a lot higher this year. Yes. Just, just based on So it's important to sit down with your agent and think about, do I have enough coverage? Yep. To, because 70% of an APH coverage at last year's crop input prices are a lot different than than this year. So it's it's yep. important to have that conversation because what what you're trying to do is, is protect your what's hanging out there. Yeah. People sometimes don't think about why you why revenue protection even came out. And this is probably pretty late in the, the podcast to be talking about this, but the idea was to market grain ahead of time in the spring, whenever okay. you you're guaranteed a certain um, your a revenue revenue protection right. So the way we think about it is maybe if you're at for round easy figures, two hundred bushel APH on corn, which I know is extremely high, but just for for yeah. figures at eighty percent level, that's one hundred and sixty bushels of coverage. So theoretically, right. what you could do is market or is what we maybe invite you to do is market eighty bushels per acre. So that's half of your guarantee, and and hopefully you would then take advantage of a better spring price because even though our, our spring price was four, what was it this year? Four fifty eight. And you maybe you could have marketed some stuff for six thirty. I mean I'm just yeah. pulling numbers out of there. Sure. Without that guarantee that that protection of the crop insurance to know if you don't produce anything, you wouldn't have be able to be able to cover that. But now you know, hey, I've got half of my production, half of my guaranteed production. Mm-hmm marketed ahead of time. So that's what they they really came out with that is to allow you to do a lot of forward contracting. So it's not just, man, I'm going to contract these bushels. I hope I can get. So you're not at the mercy of fall basis and all those kind of things. Too. Exactly. I mean, exactly. And, and the, where Devin's getting that, that, that 55% is based off your prevent plate. Okay. That's it. That's, that's where he's getting the, that, that guarantee off. Oh, I see. So okay. if there's an utter loss, like, like you Complete. said, a, a catastrophic, uh, a flood or, or drought, and you literally had a fat zero. You or weren't, excuse me, weren't able to get stuff planted in this yep. case. Yep. You would have half coverage yep. uh, enough to where you could you could still buy bushels to fulfill your contract. Yeah, yeah. Because you you'd have the insurance coverage. Yeah. yeah. But it's allowing you to take advantage of the market if if you marketed ahead of time and you got an extra twenty cents uh, per bushel, like that is. That's a big number. Oh, sure. Yeah. A lot more than what it costs for the little bit of yeah. revenue protection on an optional unit for your corn. It's a great. It's a great point because, yeah, it, and that makes a lot of sense. So Yeah, and I, I definitely advise growers out there, whether they want to buy, whether they buy crop insurance from us or somebody else, have conversations with, you know, the, the Hamilton Rail or Nathan Oglesby over in Glasgow. The, these grain people with MFA, they know what they're doing. And, yeah. and Nathan, uh, who is also one of our agents, uh, does a great job being able to to fit the puzzle together between grain and crop insurance, and, and, and a lot of his growers are taking advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and just some well, just what you guys have kind of laid out here today. Just again, I know we've covered this, but my goodness, yeah, find somebody who knows all this stuff and has has seen it all used and 
and um, can find the best, you know, just find the best fit for, yeah. for your opportunity. Because yeah. I mean, like you said, we're all different in, in how we market grain, what we're doing on a normal crop year, and kind of what makes sense. Some of us are farming in five counties. Some of us are farming in one county. I mean, just some of us are farming in one section. Some of us are farming in 50 sections. And so it just, yeah, it just every operation is different. And so, yeah, just you, using that expertise. Yeah, you've got time now to go over that, but that has to be all determined by March 15th. Okay. There's sales, sales, what we call sales closing date. Okay. So that those options, like like what uh, endorsements that you're adding, yep. what unit structure, your price. Yep. Your, like if you, if you want to take a different price, you can, but like your, and your coverage level, 85%, 80%, whatever has to be set prior to that you make all those decisions prior to, to march 15th and like also with like buying say the replant option like okay. it has to be a lot of that stuff has to be done then too okay crop hail is one thing that you don't have to worry about there are some private products that, that do fall on sales closing but crop hail have have completely different uh cutoffs yeah usually okay. that's anywhere from industry like a day to two hours it can be yeah. it can be the coverage can be bound okay Okay. Generally, the deadline for for hail, I think, is September. Devin, you might correct me. Oh yeah, I, don't, I remember what that late. I always yeah. sell it early, and then it'll, it all it all depends <laughs> also on zones and stuff like that. Yeah, so. sure, sure. Okay. No, I appreciate you adding that in there on the grain marketing thing, Devin. Um, did we miss anything else on some of that stuff before? I mean, we can. Cover I'm sure, we did. Here. I mean, I, how much? There's stuff no we way about? that we didn't <laughs> miss some, something. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, no, I, I think I think we covered. Uh, general consensus. Okay. Uh, we really can go on for hours. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I, and I completely understand, but that's really what I kind of what I wanted to dive into. I, I honestly, my thought process was that you were probably going to overwhelm people and possibly confuse them. But the, honestly, that was a little bit of my goal because well, I am confused. constantly, okay, good. Cameron's confused. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. Uh, uh, because I mean, I honestly am sometimes, but I think it just, it, it, uh, accentuates the fact that you need to find somebody who is kind of on your side, understands your operation and and can fit you in all these little pieces of this puzzle. So, so I've never thanked anyone for confusing us before, but, but thanks for confusing us guys. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a couple more topics. I think we can probably still yeah. put some of that in there. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't go out, don't go out and not swinging. Um, so on the range and pasture and, and some of the livestock insurance, um, kind of what are some of the options out there? Because I am I am extremely green on this one. So just so the the the, the PRF or pasture range and forage land, okay. which is a rainfall index policy. Okay. Um, Want to be clear and concise on this? <laughs> it is not drought insurance. Okay. Yeah, it, they they came out with something. I don't know if that was RMA or uh, FCIC who who said this is not drought insurance. This is a rainfall index policy that you're. That you're looking at. Because it, it, uh, in a sense, it would cover you if there was a drought, but it's based off of the average rainfall based on an area, okay. what we call grids. Okay. In an interval. In an interval. Okay. So those intervals can can not be overlapping, but it's basically two-month intervals. So okay. you can have a January-February interval or a February-March, but you can't have both. So you, Interesting. you set it up as January-February, March-April, like whatever intervals you want to make sure that you've got rain in to produce forage, whether that's okay. for hay or for, for cattle okay. grazing. So the, the grids are 17 mile by 17 mile is a way roughly. Roughly. Um, and it's, like I said, based off of the rainfall inside that grid. Uh, they use NOAA data to figure out if you have an indemnity or not. Interesting. Uh, the, the thing is, is they use the, the closest 
Weather station. Weather station that NOAA has. So, some places across Missouri, that means it could yeah. be 50 miles away. It could be across state line in some cases. And they're, they're using uh, satellite and a lot of different stuff to determine what kind of rain was, was gotten there. So, some sometimes, some intervals... PRF will pay when you as a producer had plenty of rain, had timely rains. Yeah. And sometimes you didn't get any of the rain. You need it to pay and it's not going to because the airport got rain. (laughs) But we feel like it comes out in a wash in the end, like over, it averages out. It's not one of those, this is again, just like crop insurance, just like getting into cattle. It's not something you get in and out of whenever the price is high. You kind of shoot to, yeah, to to try to hit hit for average, so yeah. to speak. So. But you're able to uh, pick either grazing or hay ground in this case. Okay. Hay being worth worth more. Uh, they have and a, a production factor. Like hay, say you yes. manage your hay really intensively, like you you do what you need to do. You're you're coming on with your P and K. You're putting nitrogen on timely. So your production factor you could go up to 150 percent of the county's determined production. So, yeah, so you take, you know, in that case, if the county base value was $75, you take that times your coverage level, which can be up to 95% on on PRF, excuse me, 90% on PRF. And you take that by 90% and 150%, and that would be what your coverage level is per acre. When he says 90%, he's meant 90% of the average rainfall for the interval. Yes, sorry. Very good. And they're looking at climatological average, basically, on those 17-mile yeah. grids that you were talking about. Yes. Okay. Interesting. So our climatological average in most of Missouri would be fairly high, I assume, in certain grids. I mean, most of the year, we're generally a higher rainfall area. I mean, we're not talking western Kansas here. So. Exactly. But it's based off of historical, so it can still – it can still uh, – it doesn't matter what they get in western Kansas or whatever necessarily – it also means that maybe June and July are not the months that you even really need it because your average rain is lower, right? And you're you're only, you're getting a ninety percent level of so many inches. It's not like it's of the total year that you want it to be higher. It's of, it's of this interval, so it's it's just it's very you got to think about where you need that production. In Missouri, it's more common to for uh, November, December, and January, Febu- February. To be okay. have a lack of moisture right. and to to right. pay if you're in those intervals. Okay, it seems like okay. Uh, so even during the dormant season, you can buy one of these policies for like the dormant season when we're not actually physically growing grass. There's atmospheric nitrogen that happens with snow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, there's there's a, there's intervals for every part of okay. the year. Yep. Okay, so two uh, months and, yeah, and all, also it's and you split up your acres between the intervals. You have to be you have to be in two intervals. Oh, okay. At least two. Yeah, you have to be okay. in at least two intervals. And if you have two hundred acres, is it half or is it a little bit more? I can't remember what exactly has to be. You'd have to go back and look. It has to be greater greater than uh, and don't quote me on this. I believe greater than ten percent. I don't ever sell it in just like two intervals. I'm usually it's usually more. So okay. I don't worry right. about it. Spread spread generally, generally, a lot of growers will spread it out throughout the year. That, yeah. that makes sense. So if you have two hundred acres, you have to have you only got whatever you break down that percentage is in the first interval. So you're, it's not going to come out exactly right. It might be 18%, 18%, 18%, and then you get 15% in one. So that's 15% of 200 acres. Yeah. And then your production level, your your rain guarantee, percentage guarantee on top of that. So it's it, it gets into some... Yeah, no, I mean, 
like doing some math. And then you can change how many acres you can, but you can set that percentage as different. It can be like, like you said, it could be a hundred acres in this one and only 40. And I don't remember exactly what that is, but just know that. Again, don't determine. quote us, don't quote us on this. Fact. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. Don't memorize something that you can look up. I'm right. just not looking sure. at it right sure. now. Yeah. So, but we can look it up and, and tell you exactly where we can be. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it does make sense yeah. if you're depending on this hay production, you're depending on that pasture growth during well, I mean, you're pretty much depending on pasture growth during right. most times of the year. So, um, you know, like you said, you're not you're not in and out of the cattle business. So it's it makes sense to at least provide yourself some some coverage there. Yes, exactly. And they actually have product products as well that go in line with PRF. Yeah. One's called Excess Moisture and or Exmo as we like to call it. So what Exmo does is basically remove the largest rainfall event from an interval. Yeah. So, so you have a toad strangler in in say it was July, whenever yeah. it pulled you out of an indemnity because exactly. but how much of that four inches of rain in a in a fifteen minute that's period right. actually benefited you and didn't just run off. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking while goes when you guys were talking about this. I mean you think about just last summer how many places had eight, eight, nine, ten, eleven inch rains. Yeah. Honestly, how much of that are they actually absorbing sure. and taking up from that? They could, much. if they would listen to a couple previous episodes. You're not, Cameron, but let's be honest, Adam. Could. You could still listen to those episodes, <laughs> but you're not going to take eight inches, eight inches of rain. In. Now, maybe, no, would fair. they take in more than a quarter of an inch? Yeah, yeah. possibly. Okay, but they're not going to take in all eight inches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out to our cover crops. And, and so, but you could you could throw those out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. that's a private. And that makes that sense. is a private that product called Exmo, and then there's Cliff. Yeah, and and I'm not very familiar with Cliff. This this is a Hudson product. We're not we're not very familiar. I, I know it doesn't fit uh, very well in Missouri. Yeah. Okay. So I will okay. Tell you that. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, that that's that's about it about past, or okay. about PRF. Uh, there there also is some other plans. If you go over to Kansas side, there's annual forage. Okay. Um, uh, Iowa too. Iowa too as well. Uh, Iowa actually has forage production insurance based off an APH data for alfalfa and clover. Okay. Um, I, I, I we'll get into my when I what I'm thinking about for the future of, of crop insurance, but I'm hoping that sooner or later we'll get that down here in Missouri to where it will insure hay. Okay. So. Okay. Before we dive off, LRP. In- L- yeah, one more thing. Sorry. No, go ahead. So LRP is uh, livestock revenue protection. It's been around for a long time, but really has not been discussed with growers and. and my boss, Mike Smith, and I have really tried to go, get out and, and push this product a lot okay. just because uh, since, uh, since 2020, where, uh, where COVID hit and everything shut down and all these prices dropped off of a ledge, it, it had became very apparent that this coverage can be feasible for a lot of growers. Um, so what LRP is at, at its heart is a way for a grower, it may be a weekend warrior, a guy who works at the Ford plant in Kansas City but has 10 head back home. He's able to make a put on the board without having any head limits. There are head limits, I think, per contract, I think it's 3,000, and per annual, I think it's 6,000. But there, are, in most cases, if you're putting a put on the board, it's, it's a full pot load of cattle. Right. And for this sake, a guy with one cow can can get insurance on okay. on, on this. Just okay. basically guaranteeing a price for some, you when you sell price, it. Right. Yes. Right. So and and each there is cattle, swine, and they used to offer lamb, 
But right now, it's still, they've discontinued LAM. Okay. Um, ever since COVID hit, they've just basically quit doing it. Now. I'm not too exactly sure. Markets. There, well, it's just, yeah, a lot of it's so much is private private treaty, it seems like, with lambs, yeah. maybe. Yep. I think it's not cattle cattle and hog markets. They're still yeah. weekly cattle sales and yeah, yeah. hog buying stations. And More stuff. of a futures market infrastructure and whatnot. Sure, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So on the cattle side, you can insure fed and feeder cattle. Okay. Um, and also now unborn as well. So you can literally insure calves before they hit the ground. Okay. Um, and there, there are different breakdowns. I won't get too specific about sure. that. But the way that on the feeder side, the way it works is they go by the, ca- the cattle feeder index. Feeder, okay. Excuse me, feeder cattle index. And what that is, is on that day of whenever you're locking in coverage, it's, it's based on an end date. So let's say in this case, it's August 15th that you, you plan on selling 20 head. So you pick that date, you lock in a coverage level, which can go almost all the way to 100% in this case. 98 and a half percent, like whatever. 99, could make, I've, I've seen 99 or 0.999 at times as well. So let's say in this case, this feeder cattle, or this, this, uh, it's a feeder cattle uh, contract. You're locking in $165 is what you're locking in per hundred weight. <laughs> so based off of this feeder cattle index is they take all the average of all the sales that day on, on the spec. So it'd be, let's say it's feeder cattle too. So that would be anywhere between 600 to... I think it's a thousand. Again, don't quote me on that. Yep. But between that range, you are able to get coverage based on their weight. They look at that index, figure out which ones fall into that range under feeder feeder excuse me feeder cattle two in this case. And if that price is less than what the price of coverage you got, you have an indemnity in this case. Okay. No matter what you sold them for. Yeah. Interesting. It doesn't yeah. matter. They they don't care about. Uh, what weight you sold them at. They don't care about uh, the price you got for them. It's just a matter of how many head you had. There are some rules about when you have to sell them. Like if you sold them early and you already bought this and yeah. you your premium. Yeah. Right. But, but they, and they've actually lengthened out the time with COVID that you can sell them before your contract technically ends. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But we, we've, we've had, uh, we've talked to a lot of growers about this um, over the past year and, and has become a big part of our business. And well, it, it makes it, sense to just carry, you know, I mean, you carry some sort of edge in there. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. you have to, you have to get licensed, I guess, to kind of, to, to sell this part of it. Like there's okay. crop insurance agents <clears throat> that don't deal with any of this. Okay. It's other okay. tests and, and, and stuff that you've got to take and, and, and training that you've got to do to be able to do it. Yes. I got you. Of the AIPs, only 10 AIPs of the 13 offer this, offer this. livestock products. I got you. Okay. So. Um, okay. I'm excited for talking about kind of the future of crop insurance and kind of where we go from here. So can we do that? Or did we miss something? I'm, we, again, I'm sure we missed something. <laughs> did we miss something important enough to go back? <laughs> not, to, not to my knowledge, okay. Adam. I All right. <laughs> No, it's great. So one that I I think I would want to hit on is 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 an in, endorsement that is apparently going to be offered. And Adam, you actually turned me on, or the first place I saw this was an yeah. email that you sent me, and it's called Pace, which has to do with post application, uh, a post application of nitrogen in season. So the a split application of nitrogen, where you're planning to put a reduced amount amount on upfront, and you're planning to come back in during the year. Again, we don't have all the details. 
but the general idea is that they will, if for some reason that second application, that post application was not be able, able to be made, there's going to be something in the endorsement that crop insurance will help you make up for that loss. Okay. Very early in the whatever they, they've announced pace is yeah. what they're going to call it. They've not told us how they're going to implement. They haven't told us what it's going to cost. They haven't even told us really what states it's going to be available in. I can't imagine it's not available in Missouri, but sure. maybe not. But that's something in the future that we're going to be. Well, and I, I think that's going to be where it's, it's going to go is crop insurance is going to have a lot more uh, natural resources and, and environmental stuff. Um, a lot more steward, stewardship involvement yes. within yep. the program. Yep. We as a company are already preaching split applications of nitrogen because sure. we know it's best for our growers to help them raise as many bushels possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, we feel like MFA is uniquely positioned to talk about endorsements like this because some other people selling crop insurance don't understand some of this stuff as intimately as we do, yep. how that affects our growers. Yep. No, and I agree. And it's a, it's a, it's a timely thing. That's one of the reasons I sent it to you. I mean, it's certainly what I count on. And you, I mean, you always count on being able to get at some point the rig across the acre, but there's always those years that, you know, maybe it wouldn't be, you know, that just kind of covers you for that. You know, again, you're, you're leaving it hang out there a little bit. So, um, but a very timely endorsement in my mind with, with everybody kind of thinking to nitrogen management for next year. So, the, the other thing that's worth mentioning about, about the future of crop insurance here is, is uh, the advancements in, in uh, precision data. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're almost there, but a lot of companies are still trying to figure out how to make it work. But we're, we're going to get to a point where we're able to basically take data from a monitor directly into our computer and plug it into a production report and be done. Which we don't want to avoid contact with our with our growers in this case. No, we, we, we love face-to-face time, but this is a way to help with any miscommunication with that. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, and there's a little ways to go in this because like the AIP we deal with introduced and they said, okay, we're going to have precision planting data to be able to, to be read in. And so me being in precision are thinking, okay, so you can't read an ag leader, you can't read in John Deere, you can't read in case. And that they had, they're like, what do you mean? I said, precision planting is a company. Is that the only one you're going to use? And they're like, oh, we didn't we didn't think about that. When they said precision planting data, they meant any monitor collected any data. <laughs> yeah. And and me being a you know kind of precision nerd, I was like, oh, like it, it just hit me totally different. But so there's a lot of stuff for them to work out that they don't quite have a handle on, and nobody does. That's not a shot at them. They just mm-hmm. people don't quite understand yeah. how it's. How how that's done? Yep. RMA has not make has not staked their flag and 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 learning about precision ag and, and what what it can do for them in the long run. And so, but I do I do look forward here in years to come that they're they're going to start looking more and more into this and finding ways to make it make it part of the sure part of the, uh, sure their policy. So. No, that's interesting. And you know, you mentioned it with the you guys talked about it a little bit with the stewardship type stuff. Like for example, you know, I got like a $5 an acre premium reduction last year by turning in your cover crops. cover crop planting records. I don't feel like that's a one-off thing, especially under this administration. People did. Um, yeah. And people didn't quite understand what that was. That was a $5 off your, what the total premium was, your not what the grow, not, what the, not yeah. what the grower premium was. So right. that, that came out to a different number. Yeah, sure. It was, but it was five. So people were like, well, I didn't get my $5 or where is it showing on here? Yeah. So that's not right. So, well, it's, People don't understand how highly subsidized crop insurance is. 
and that's something I, yes, to, to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. And and just you know, uh, and I think it is some. It's a good. It's a good way to put it. It's just something to keep in mind that USDA and RMA have their hands all over these things all the time, and so political swings can affect absolutely what happens in the crop insurance industry. So it's tough. You know, in my opinion, I want to make sure I state that first. Sure. You know, whenever it comes to whichever party you represent, whenever it comes to politics and crop insurance, just like, you know, they called the payments uh, last year or in 2020, the Trump payments. That's what they would call yeah. them. You know, I a lot of politicians want to make sure to stake their flag in something like that because they want to know that, that, that they represent the farmer and want to help yeah. the farmer. But I, I do wish that there was more influence with crop insurance being able to provide better coverages based off of those payments instead uh, of, of throwing a, a flag up saying, here's your check for, for this amount. So I, I do look in the near future that the farm bill was going to actually keep on providing more coverages to growers and not throwing out payments like that for, yeah. for drought or COVID protection. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I hope so, too. I, yeah. I think I think they're moving that way. Like I said, like, you know, we, we mentioned some of these things that are, you know, for crop insurance, um, you know, are are fairly new um, for them. And, and so I, I feel like that may be moving in the right direction. Yeah, so, you bet. You yeah. bet. Cool. Um, and I think when you talk about important dates. Yes. Like for. Yeah, go ahead. You mentioned March 15th was yeah. when everybody had to have. I, I just wrote down some for, for spring yeah. crops. I didn't, go ahead. That's not all of them. These are what's on my mind right now. Sure. But sales closing date. For spring crops, it's 3.15, yep. uh, March 15th. Production reporting, technically, you have all the way till March 29th or whatever the Friday is before that calendar date. So however that works. And then acreage reporting. So when we have to have our planted acres reported is July 15th or 7.15. Okay. Um, and then the end of insurance for those spring crops is, is December 10th, which means hopefully your crop insurance agent called you prior to December 10th and asked you if you had a loss, if... One, maybe you weren't done harvesting, or two, hadn't pulled all your records together and you didn't know and you couldn't. So you file a claim. Maybe we withdraw it later because we determined we didn't have a claim. But you have to have that claim turned in by the 10th of December or you don't. You're at risk for not getting paid. Yeah. It's up up to the AIP at that point to decide whether they'll pay that. I'm just going to say you're not going to get paid, so you got to have it done before December 10th to make my life easier. But yeah. Also, make sure growers get with their their agents to discuss when when early plant periods and late plant periods are because it changes based off of planting zones. Yep. 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 And it's not, yeah, it's not the same every year. Like it doesn't change a lot, but they, it will, it can can change five to 10 days. Sure. Which, yeah, makes a difference. Enough to make a difference. So. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming in here. I again, I, I I made a couple jokes about confusing us, but it's 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 super interesting, and I, I think it's um, it's Pandora's box as far as getting into some of the details. But the reality is, you you, you need somebody that that you can have a conversation with. I, I hope we've at least talked about enough things and and covered it at, at a high level enough to where most folks, you know, it triggered something for most folks to say, Hey, maybe I, you know, maybe I need better coverage or maybe just look at your coverage, Mm -hmm. you know, just looking at what you currently have and saying, is that enough? What do I need? You know, the, the point being where, you know, stuff is two, three X more expensive this year. in in some cases, am I carrying enough coverage? Find somebody and have those conversations, I think is, is kind of the key point I took from today. And I feel like what, reason MFA got into crop insurance is because we want to help protect our growers and make sure that 
they are protected as good as they can be. Um, so I would encourage you to call somebody, even if you're not interested in switching, uh, get an outside opinion yep. uh, of, of this is the way my crop insurance agent has me do it. Why is that? What, what do you think about that? And, and, and then we can you talk about that and just get an outside opinion on what you're doing. And then at that point, if you say, I, I think I like dealing with you, maybe I want to switch. But that's not the whole point of it. Well, we want to make sure that you are protected. Constant reevaluation. Yes. I Let mean, us I, have the discussion. Let us sit down. We'll look at your paperwork and figure out if there are better options, whether we're your agent or not. Yep. Yeah. I, I think we all get, yeah, we all get stuck in a rut where it's like, okay, mm -hmm. here's my crop insurance papers. I got to sign these every year, mail them back, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um and we don't do that constant evaluation. Like we said, you know, like you mentioned, the, all those add-on, just stuff changes all the time. We, there's something probably different now than what there was when you signed up for all those, you know, add-ons and, and whatnot. So um, there's a lot of complacency in the ag industry. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. We do the same thing at the same time every single year. So anyway, thanks again, fellas. Cameron, you got anything else? No, usually I try to put a bow on it and summarize, but I think you guys did a good job. And, um, <laughs> like I said, I'm probably more confused about crop insurance I, now than I yeah, was going into it. Yeah. But I know a lot more. And like I, I think that's really the, you know, like we said, is we have a lot of guys that are experts in things. We've talked about grain marketing on the podcast and stuff. And it's, mm -hmm. it's really we're peaking interest, trying to pique your interest and kind of give you an overall insight. And so that you, you know, you can th start thinking about, am I making the right decisions or do I need to reach out to somebody? Absolutely. So within MFA, I mean, we have, we have guys that are, um, really know things about all these different aspects and we can, like we, like Devin said, whether or not we, we become your agent or not, we can, we go, we're willing to talk to you and at least help you out. So that one of our values at MFA is customer partnering because we want to be a good partner to the customer and make sure that you guys are profitable. And so, um, you know, whether or not we are, the one that you work with, we're willing to try to help make sure that you yep. are profitable exactly as a customer. Right. So, yep, certainly a piece exactly. of the puzzle for sure. So, again, thanks guys for taking the time to come in here and and okay. chat with us and share all your knowledge and <laughs> all your acronyms. And uh, <laughs> thanks everybody for taking the time to listen. And we hope you got something from it. We'll see you on the next episode. Yep, thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.